Welcome to the Hirschfeld Century Podcast. My name is Katherine Eastman. I'm the Archives Manager of the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. And I am David Leopold, the Creative Director. And today's episode is all about Rodgers and Hammerstein. Who couldn't love that? Exactly. And there's actually a lot. Uh, not surprisingly, they both had long theatrical careers, and he even drew some of their movies. Yes. In fact, the, uh, Hirschfeld was in a movie with Rodgers and Hammerstein. What was the movie? It was called Main Street to Broadway. came out in 1953. It was actually Al's uh, movie debut. Was it really? Yes. He wouldn't appear in another film until 1996, uh, The Lion King. With The Lion King. Oh, okay. Now, is this like, is this movie like a Thousands Cheer situation? Is it just names and more names? There is a slight story to it. I've seen it maybe once. Um, It is not a great movie. (laughs) It is really a bunch of Broadway people trying to sort of show off on the movies. And so Mary Martin's in it. Uh, Josh Logan is in it. I know Tallulah Bankhead's in it. Tallulah Bankhead is in it. And uh, in fact, uh, there's a scene in the movie where they're rehearsing on stage and it, we look out into the house, and there is Al Hirschfeld sketching in the house on a full-size board. It's completely not accurate. <laughs> Which he did not do. But I guess a sketchbook would have looked too small. No, you got to make it dramatic. <laughs> uh, and in fact, he did a cover of Theater Arts Magazine that featured all the people in the film. It's oh, a wonderful drawing, and it's really one of his, it may be his first drawing of Rodgers and Hammerstein. Really? Oh, interesting. He's not on the cover. But everybody no, else everybody is. Else is. Oh. His signature's there. I think yeah. that's enough. That's all we need to know. <laughs> yeah, Hirschfeld's on the scene. Everything. That says everything. Uh, so they have, uh, obviously, Rodgers and Hammerstein, one of the most successful uh, uh, composer-lyricist common combos. I would say the most successful. Uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and just say it. They are. Although individual shows from other... Songwriting teams uh, might actually be more successful. I don't know if My Fair Lady, which, uh, according to the Marquis in 1962, was uh, the world's greatest musical uh, and is being revived uh, again in New York um, mm-hmm. this season. Right. That's a pretty popular show. Whether it's more popular than any Rodgers and Hammerstein show, I don't know. Well, uh, I don't have those statistics. In front I will of me. say they're most successful duo because yes. they've got a lot of hits here. They have a lot of hits to go through. Certainly, they have more songs in sort of the national lexicon and vocabulary than any other team on Broadway or in in the movies. Yeah. Uh, To talk about Rodgers and Hammerstein, you have to really start at the beginning, which is Rodgers and Hart. Mm. Now, Hirschfeld had been drawing Rodgers and Hart uh, musicals since 1928 with a show called Present Arm. Yeah. Now, is this Present Arms or like Present Arms? I would bet it's present arms. Present arms, yeah, I bet it is. And it's a drawing of Charles Isn't that King. Funny, you had to have been there, I guess. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could ask somebody, <laughs> and uh, somebody yeah. who actually knows the show, yeah, and true. they would that's be true. able to tell you. Okay, fine. Um, so it's the very first drawing is is 1928. We can't go through every one of them because yeah. there are so many. There are a lot. wonderful drawings. We're going to put them all in the show notes so you can see them. But we're going to. St- we're going to make a stop at a couple of important shows. Yes, yes. Uh, 1935, Jumbo. Mm. This was a spectacle like you've never seen ever. Yeah. And evidently no one else has ever seen anything quite like it. Right. Uh, I did an exhibition last year with Hillary Knight. Mm. And he said uh, when he saw the original production of Jumbo, 
it was a life-changing experience. Wow. He knew that he wanted to be part of it. Mm. And Hillary Knight, of course, is the illustrator for the Eloise books. Yes. For those at home. That's and many 30 other, uh, 30 other children's books. Correct. And a great uh, artist of theater posters yes, uh, starting yeah. in the mid-60s. Right. And that's what I did the exhibition on is, is theater work. But um, now Jumbo is like this crazy circus thing, but it's a musical. Yes. Okay. It, uh, it, it had a book by uh, uh, Hecht and MacArthur. Um, the score was by Rodgers and Hart. It starred mm. Jimmy Durante. Paul Whiteman uh, led the orchestra. Elephants. There were there were elephants, of course. It was about an elephant. The, oh, essentially, the jumbo, jumbo is, is the elephant. Is the elephant. Mm. And the Hippodrome Theater was this massive space. Do you think that's where they got Dumbo from? Yes. <gasps> most really? definitely. Oh, man. Boy, we can smell the smoke going wow. here. Her mind's really going. <laughs> But, I uh, just realized that. Hirschfeld's drawing on, on the front page of the New York Times mm-hmm. is considered a classic and yes. is owned by the Library of Congress. And it shows all these different circuits acts yeah. and vaudeville acts and Jimmy Durante sort of up coming up the side and Paul Whiteman in the corner. I mean, it is a crazy drawing. It was a totally crazy show. Crazy. And uh, it'll never get revived. Mm. Um, but it was, uh, it, it produced two a, wonderful there's drawings. There's a camel. There's a camel. Yeah. Oh, there's horses. It's everything. There's clowns. That, turkey. That is, <laughs> turkey. Oh, sea lion. There is a sea lion there in there? There is a sea lion. I wow. see it. Wow. Yep. There's another drawing of a Rogers and Hart show with a sea lion, except he's called Sharky the Seal. Yes, but it is definitely a sea lion. I've had this argument many times with David. Don't ask <laughs> how it comes up in the office, but it does. And it's definitely a sea lion, not a seal. The show is called Higher and Higher. With Jack Haley. With Jack Haley. And... Uh, I just always say that she's wronger and wronger. No. <laughs> it is a sea line, and that is the final verdict. All right. If that's... <laughs> I humor her. I let he her does. say that. But when the when the animals build a sharky the seal, I think you have to give... It sounds better. ...respect to calling it a seal. Seal sounds better. Uh, anyway, another great Rogers and Hart show that Hirschfeld did was On Your Toes. Mm. When it uh, first appeared in 1936, he did several drawings for several different uh, newspapers on it because the show actually had a long run. It, it played an entire season, which today doesn't seem so remarkable. Mm. But in 1936, if you played nine months, you were fantastic. Wow. That was a long, long run. Wow. His first drawing of the show is my favorite because in the center of the drawing are Ray Bulger, and Tamara Jeeva, mm. who was a, a fine ballet dancer, George Balanchine had choreographed the show. And they're doing a dance move, and Hirschfeld sort of uh, simulates the dance move by doing this blue wash that makes out a G cleft. It looks yes. like they have just danced that. Mm-hmm. And it's really wonderful. The blue wash would have been, was a sign for the engravers at the paper to use a Bende screen, which were a sort mm. of, uh, they were diff- they would come with different numbers, and mm. that would be almost dots per inch. And it just kind of added contrast or added shadow to yeah, the... Yeah, texture. Yeah, texture to the drawings when they were printed. And what was interesting about this drawing... <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a diptych, right? Well, yes. I It may have been originally been drawn on the same board. Mm. They're not any longer. Mm. But uh, they were, we, did, we found out they were a diptych when we saw the yeah. actual newspaper page. Yes, we found the newspaper page, and I said to David, oh, look, this it's another clef on the other drawing, uh, which I believe is an F clef, uh, but don't quote me. I, I think, because I think a C clef is the viola one, and that looks different. 
but I think this is called an F clef. The, well, the show was the Mikado. It was okay. uh, it was the, uh, the Doily uh, Cart mm-hmm. Opera Company was in New York doing a season of Gilbert and Sullivan, mm. and it's the Mikado and Coco's fan. It looks like it's just been sort of uh, waved around, waved around, yeah. and it and this and we can tell it's been waved because there's this blue wash yeah. that the, makes out this F clef. The other clef, how's that? Right, yeah, it's the <laughs> but other we had never made that connection before that they would have been on the same page because there was really, no indication that they were on the same page before. They really resonated with yeah. each other. They I were mean, meant to be seen next to each other, exactly. At least on the same page. They were wonderful standalones, Definitely. but when you saw them together, it you, had we really had, wonderful we, power. We both were like. <gasps> Ah, I see. <laughs> and that is the kind of sly wit yeah. that Hirschfeld sort of embeds in the drawings that years later we're still, yeah. still making a <laughs> How smile. many years later? Yeah, <laughs> too many. Um, of course, the other great one, mm. I think your favorite. Yes, Babes in Arms. There are so many good drawings of Babes in Arms. I don't 1937. Know if, yes. Um, and the first one, I think it was for the Herald Tribune, uh, he did... He did this thing, so it's imagine a square drawing, but imagine he cut out the top right corner and the bottom left corner. So it's kind of this zigzag puzzle piece of a drawing. And of course, uh, it worked beautifully, graph- you know, visually, it was visually interesting yes. doing it that way. But there was probably another reason why he did it. Mm. Uh, artists were paid by the column inch. And what he did is he took a two-column drawing and turned it into a four-column drawing by sort of pulling out mm. the edges of the square. While still only drawing basically two columns. Yes. <laughs> no extra ink was used yeah. in getting that four-column drawing. That's funny. Um, but it's a really wonderful drawing. Well, the next one is the Nicholas Brothers. Oh, And gosh. if you have not, I've watched them on YouTube. If you have not watched the Nicholas Brothers on YouTube, what are you doing right now? You need to stop everything and go watch them. They are crazy. I don't know how they do it, but it is insane. Some of the great dancers. Yeah. Fred Astaire marveled at them. He it's, thought they it's were incredible. The best. Yeah. Uh, but there's a really great drawing of them that's uh, just really very beautiful. And then the third drawing he did of Babes in Arms is one of my all time favorite Hirschfeld drawings. No kidding. Yes, it's of Duke McHale. And quite often, you know, David and I do this uh, illustrated talk called the Hirschfeld Century. We take it around to libraries, museums, anywhere book that will clubs. have us. Yeah, any place that will have us dip for dinner. Uh, we bring this presentation. <laughs> you to don't it. have to give us dinner. You don't have to, but, but we appreciate it. Helps. It. <laughs> yeah, I get hungry. Um, <laughs> but, you know, David talks and talks, and I keep putting up these images that appear magically on the screen behind him whenever he's talking about something. I and don't use a script. No, he does not. It's completely improvised. So I have to be on my toes. <laughs> and, uh, but there's always a point in the presentation where David starts to talk to the audience about how uh, the way we view Hirschfeld's work is changing, right? right? We're no longer looking at the personality, but we're more looking at the drawing, uh, the artistic, you know, nature yeah, of the Yeah, younger audiences don't have the connection right. to the personalities. Uh, so they're just literally looking at the drawing. At the art, yeah, as yeah. it is a work of art. And it's kind of hard for, you know, if I were to put up a picture of Carol Channing and Hello Dolly at that point, it would be hard for the older audience um, to kind of grasp what David is talking about. So the drawing I always put up when David starts to talk about this is of is the Duke McHale drawing because I think it's a really great drawing that will show an older, older audience who probably, I would bet, does not know who Duke McHale is. He's 
he's not a big marquee. No, the name. number of people who know who Duke McHale is is very small in the audience. And so I'm able to show them exactly what David is talking about through this drawing um, because they don't bring that personality connection to it. And it's a very, it's And timeless. it's a great drawing. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's totally a timeless. And in many ways, it's a classic Hirschfeld drawing. Yeah that he could have done 50 years later and it yes. would still seem completely fresh. Yes, yeah. It's that's the beauty it's one of, of my Hirschfeld. favorite pieces, so that's my that's my uh, Well, here's a him. bit of Hirschfeld trivia. Uh-oh. What was Duke McHale's last Broadway show? I do not know. Well, it's a show that probably would be completely forgotten. Uh, it was a minor mm. hit in the 45-46 Broadway season Uh-oh. called Are You With It? Oh, really? And why would Are You With It be important to yes. the Hirschfeld trivia? Why would it, David? That is the first drawing <laughs> that features a Nina. Yep. Uh, and although Nina Duke the Wonder Mc- Child. And although Duke McHale is not in the drawing, mm. it was his show. It was his and show. And that was oh, his swan funny. song. It was the end of Duke McHale and oh, it was the start of Nina. Oh, was it? Oh, that's sweet. No, no. Duke McHale would go on and live on. Don't get oh, me wrong. Oh, okay. But it was his final show. It was his final gotcha, show. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, the last Rodgers and Hart musical we're going to talk about is uh, also a really wonderful one. It's Boys from Syracuse. Oh, yeah. Uh, 1938. Uh, uh, based on Shakespeare's Comedy of Errors. Mm. It has to do with mistaken identity. It features two actors who are playing twins. Mm. And in You're the, a twin, David. Yes, I'm. all my life I've been a twin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and the, in the original production, it was Jimmy Savo and Teddy Hart, who was actually Larry Hart's brother. Mm. They looked remarkably alike. And wow. what Hirschfeld did was he had them share a face. Hmm. In the center of the drawing, he has them sharing a face where they share an eye and then you see each of their noses and yeah. mouths. And it's a great optical illusion. It is. And in, when they revived this show off-Broadway in 1963, the producers come to Hirschfeld and he does a drawing very similar. He just focuses on the two figures. Again, they're sharing the head. It's much mm. more generic. Mm-hmm. And if right. you have a cast album, there's a good chance that that is the thing that is on it. Or if you see a production, and it's usually they use this artwork all the mm. time, oftentimes without licensing it <laughs> from us. We know who you are. Look in your mailbox Uh-oh. for a, a letter. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, uh, but and then uh, that was 1963. In 1965, for his unlikely casting series, mm-hmm. he does a great riff on it. He takes uh, Robert Preston and Sammy Davis Jr. Yeah, two men who nobody's going to mistake for each other. Yeah, and he has them share a face, and it works in in as if they were playing boys from Syracuse. Yeah. And it's perfect. Yeah, it's wild. And in fact, that piece right now is currently in a museum exhibition at the Nassau County Museum of Art. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called Fool the Eye, and it's a show about artists' uh, optical illusions yep. and sleight of hands. Uh, there's several Hirschfelds in it, yep. but this one is in it uh, because it's so it's it's perfect for the theme. Okay, is that it for Rogers and Hart? Can we move on? Yes, there's oh, okay. many other drawings, but we'll <laughs> put course, them in the yeah, show right. notes. All right, that's all I'm going to let David talk about. Next, we're doing Hammerstein before Rogers. Yes, uh, he's actually older than uh, oh, really? Richard Rogers. Um, 
and he had worked with a variety of composers uh, before Rogers, mm. Jerome Kern, uh, Rudolf Frimmel, Sigmund Romberg, mm. and they had a number of successes and um, more than a few failures. Um, <laughs> the very first show that I want to talk about is one of the most important shows in American musical history because right. it's really the first integrated musical. It really sets the path right. for the 20th century musical showboat, 1927. Right. And now integrated musical, we're talking about songs who relate that relate to the plot right <laughs> or back to and the songs plot. that actually move the plot along right 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 okay. uh, whereas before it was mostly reviews meaning even book shows had the performers mm. came mm-hmm. and they brought their own songs right, right or if the song there were they would literally break out into song and it didn't make any sense sometimes they would just walk <laughs> to the edge of the stage and, and sing <laughs> and sing the song and it would change during yeah. the run of the show um, it was a crazy time, and the reason why we do not hear uh, not, right. not a lot of 1920s musicals are revived is because they're not very good. Mm, gotcha. Uh, it's only the the books are terrible and the songs are, are yeah, okay. Yeah. There'd be hits in them. That's funny. But uh, Showboat really was a Im- very important musical because here were great songs that were furthering the story, mm. and it would really sort of set the mold for uh it it wouldn't happen right away it would actually be an almost another 15 years before uh the rest of broadway sort of caught up with uh, showboat yeah um but this is 1927 1927 hirschfeld did not draw it okay um i think he might have been out of the country Mm. uh maybe back in paris uh there was a broadway revival in 32 that hirschfeld missed because he was in bali oh there was even a film version, but it was done by a studio that he didn't do drawings for, mm. so he never drew that. Oh, my goodness. The first time he draws Showboat is in 1945, wow. when actually Rodgers and Hammerstein produce uh, a revival of Showboat. Mm. And it's and it's a wonderful uh, um, drawing that yeah. uh, it, it, it sort of harkens back to some of the older drawings because mm-hmm. it's really done on one plane, right. but right. it's much more active and interesting yes. um, than uh, those drawings. And uh, it'd be the first of about eight drawings he would do of Showboat uh, over the next 50 years. Wow. Uh, there's a great one of Burl Ives mm. uh, as Captain Andy in Showboat. Mm. Another one with Paul Hartman and that has a very sort of uh, athletic dancing of mm. Jeffrey Holder in it. Yeah. Um, the last one was in 1994, How Prince... Uh, directed a revival of Showboat. Mm. And I remember having lunch at Hirschfeld's house uh, the day after the opening. And I said, how was it? And he's, and this is, it, I remember this because it was so interesting. He's, he's, he starts off by saying, it's like they poured gold on the stage. Mm. You know, meaning that it was a very luxurious production. Mm, gotcha. But he talked about it as if he had not seen it before mm. or that he had not drawn it before. Yeah. And it wasn't because he didn't remember those. It's because he saw everything in context of its time, of mm. its moment. He mm-hmm. wasn't thinking it's not as good as 45 right. uh, or 27, which he probably saw that mm-hmm. production. And right. um, He was seeing it as it was in 1994. Mm. And uh, it's, it's a really terrific piece or maybe it's 98 i think um but it's it's really um and and what's interesting also about that is it is really just a series of heads um and sort of uh heads and shoulders because he didn't do sketches at the theater Mm. he worked mostly from um production stills and headshots right 
And that showboat is 94. You were correct the first time. Oh, oh there you go. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Hammerstein spent most of the 30s writing musicals that were not hits on Broadway. He also went out to Hollywood and was also singularly unsuccessful. Mm. He was using a lot of the things that he learned in showboat. Mm. Um, and so it's funny that none of these things really catch, catch yeah. on. Well, maybe, the, clearly, I don't think the world was ready for it yet. Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps. Maybe he didn't cho- choose the right composers. It's, right. It's, it's right. very hard right. to say. So while in Hollywood, in 1941, he wrote a song for a film called Lady Be Good that was called Last Time I Saw Paris. Oh. And he won an Oscar for it. Nice. He wrote the lyrics. That Jerome Kern wrote the music. And in 1954, they made a movie called Last Time I Saw oh, Paris. inspired by the song. Inspired by the song. Oh, nice. And Hirschfeld drew it for Colliers for the appointment with O'Hara mm, Collins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the other Hammerstein show that is not with Rogers that I think is significant is Carmen Jones. Mm. Uh, this is uh, the opera Carmen, which he uh, took the music and he rewrote the lyrics. He recast it. So it's an all African-American show. Oh, it's a very unusual show yeah. that he wanted to do for a long time. But nobody wanted to uh, support it until mm. he had this monster smash with... Uh, Oklahoma and then Billy Rose said he'd be willing to produce it Mm. and so it was produced on Broadway I think in 43 yes and then revived at City Center in the early 50s and it Mm. traveled around the country Uh, Hirschfeld drew both productions and uh, when it toured around the country they used the Hirschfeld drawing as the program cover oh nice nice all right so that brings us to 1943 right so how Rogers and Hammerstein got together, mm-hmm. I won't get into all the specifics, but uh, Rogers was out of town in Philadelphia mm-hmm. uh, trying out a new show, and Larry Hart was uh, sinking into alcoholism. Mm-hmm. He was a complicated man. He was a gay man at a time when being a gay man was not something that you could tell anybody, right. and even in the world of the theater, mm-hmm. was it was just the love that dare not speak its name. Right. Uh, and I think that was a big cause of his alcoholism. Mm. And he was becoming unreliable. And Rogers realized that this was not good. This, the, they might not be able to last. So while he's in Philadelphia, he takes a train out to Doylestown, Pennsylvania, where Oscar Hammerstein has just bought a home, uh, a little farm. He always wanted to live in the country. And they found this home, according to Hammerstein. They had looked at a couple of different places. It had been raining. Uh, the, the clouds cleared. A rainbow appeared. And so they followed it to the end of the rainbow. Oh, and right. they found Highland I'm calling Farms. it another tall tale. <laughs> another tall tale of Oscar Hammerstein. Oh, my God. You are a cynic this boy is just filled with him um but in any event so hammerstein is living out in bucks county to be honest with you his wife is making more money as an interior decorator than he is as a song as a lyricist wow uh rogers comes out to him and says larry's not doing well Uh, i may need help on Mm. this show and would you be interested in working on a new show with me and hammerstein totally keeping with who he was uh, told Rogers that he'd be willing to work with him in any way he needed him and that when Larry Hart was better, he was willing to step away mm. and and even work under Larry Hart's name if that was needed mm. uh, because he was doing it to help a friend. Right. I mean, because he had known Rogers and Hart uh, for literally their whole lives. Right. They met while they were in college. Mm. Uh, 
Rogers had gotten the commission from the Theater Guild to uh, do a musical uh, adaptation of a play called Green Grow the Lilacs. Mm -hmm. And Larry Hart said a cowboy musical will never work. And he refused to work on it. And so Rogers turns to Hammerstein and they start their great partnership. Mm. And what Uh, was the show called at this time? Well, when it opened to New Haven, Mm -hmm. it was called Away We Go. Right. And... It's funny. Hirschfeld tells a story in the world of Hirschfeld. Uh, people would say to him, listen, you see these shows out of town. You must know what the hits are or the flops are by the right. time they come to Broadway. And he would tell this story as a way to say, no, you never know. So he goes to New Haven, to Schubert Theater, uh, to see Rodgers and Hammerstein, new musical. I mean, these are two people that are well-known in the theater. Right. Everybody wants to go. Uh, the show's called Away We Go, and... After the performance, Lawrence Langer, the producer of the Theater Guild, asks Hirschfeld, Billy Rose, and Mike Todd to come to the coffee shop, which is across the street from the theater, mm. to talk about the show. And Langer admits that he has a, he has a, a tin ear, that he wouldn't know a good song if it fell on him. Oh, no. And, but that the Theater Guild has all their money wrapped up in this production. Wow. And if it isn't going to work, he wants to cut their losses. Oh, no. And he, and he asked these three veterans, these yeah. three Broadway veterans. Hirschfeld's only been working for 15 years, wow. uh, a little oh, close to 20 years yeah. uh, at this point. Um, Mike Todd and Billy Rose had been working just as long in the theater. Wow. And uh, Mike Todd said, if it was my show, I'd close the turkey. Mm. And Billy Rose thought that if they put a few more uh, gags and girls in it, that the, the show had a chance. There were some good songs in it, yeah. and that would be good. And Hirschfeld freely admitted that he had no idea because Hirschfeld wasn't looking at the show in that way. He was right. trying to capture the action on stage. He was trying to capture the character of the show. Uh, but he could see that this show might not be coming into New York. Uh-oh. So he goes. He doesn't return to New York. He goes to Boston mm. because the other show that is trying out out of town that's supposed to be coming in at the same time is uh, the Ziegfeld Follies of 1943, mm. which did not include Ziegfeld uh, because Ziegfeld was already dead oh. uh, and evidently did not include anything very good. Well, Milton Berle was in it. Milton Berle was in it, but uh, it's not the thing that Milton Berle would, uh, would feature for. on his resume. <laughs> and so Hirschfeld didn't know what to do. Mm. And in one of the few sort of, I think, sort of indecisive moments in his career, he does a drawing that features both shows sort of intermingled with each other. Yeah. He goes to, uh, and now the show's got a new name, Oklahoma. Uh Uh-oh. You know, and I mean, he just sees it. He had seen this before. He had seen shows that struggled out of town. Right. And uh, and never came in. Mm. Had name changes, had cast changes, had song changes. So he wasn't so sure. Well, he goes to the St. James Theater on March 31st, 1943. And he knows right away, just like everybody else in the audience, that they are witnessing a great musical Mm. uh, premiering on Broadway. And uh, he would draw Oklahoma a number of times. Mm. Uh, He did a great drawing that showed um, Joseph Buloff, who plays the peddler in the original production, um, as uh, walking past uh, this milestone of Hell's a Poppin', which at that time was the longest running show on Broadway. And... um, this is showing that Oklahoma is passing Hell's a Poppin' as the, the longest running show on mm-hmm. Broadway. 
He did a revival in 1969 that featured uh, Margaret Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, the Wicked Witch the of the West Witch. from The Wizard of Oz. Um, he did a revival. The last one that he did, he did Friday drawings of other revivals. Yeah. The last one that he did was in February of 2002, and it's a color yeah. uh, uh, image um, that appeared on the front page of the New York Times Arts and Leisure section. There's a wonderful photograph of Hirschfeld yes. actually painting, painting the piece it, yeah. uh, that uh, his wife Louise took that we yeah. often use as a publicity photo. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Oklahoma was one of those shows that uh, would end up, uh, it, as many revivals as it's been, it didn't run any, it, it, it did not run as long on Broadway as Hirschfeld did. Right, right, still. Uh, Oklahoma was the first musical that I remember seeing uh, at the West Virginia State Theater. My granny took me. Oh, my. And I loved it. And so it's always been my favorite Rodgers and Hammerstein. And I I joke, but it is probably my favorite musical. Every time I always say that, people always laugh at me. Because they no. think it's this hunky, you know, this kind of do-do-do-do-do cowboy musical, like you were saying. But it is really good. Look. Uh, I always cry in it. It's, it's a good. musical that features pornography. It know? does. I mean, Attempt or, you know, thinking about suicide. Uh, the Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals are not as corny and sweet as we tend to think they are. Yes, and it's interesting. Yeah, I think that's a good point to bring up because we do look at them now as these kind of very cute, oh, safe for middle schoolers to play, you know, on the middle school stage. But I think in their time, they were quite groundbreaking and risque. Oh, I I'm, I wouldn't know about risque, but they definitely. Well, I mean, the Carousel. Envelope. He's right. So the next show is Carousel. Yeah. So let's talk, uh, let's move on from Oklahoma. Let's go to so, Carousel. So uh, the original production of Carousel featured John Raitt mm-hmm. as Billy Bigelow, who's yeah. a wife beater. Yeah, he is okay. a wife beater. There's nothing. I think uh, in the Me Too moment, he would he would not do no, so well. He would not. Uh, <laughs> the funny thing is. There was a great revival in '94, uh, I think, yeah. uh, Lincoln at Lincoln Center, Center Theater <laughs> that really made people think about Carousel in a completely fresh way. Yeah, really one of those landmark productions. And I remember talking to Hirschfeld about it, and I said, "How was it?" He said, uh, "Dolly fell asleep." <laughs> so and then and, and sort of he waited a beat, and he says, "That means it's going to be a hit." Oh, <laughs> well, that's a very nice drawing of, of that 94 revival. Oh, yeah, very nice also, drawing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, 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 Hirschfeld did a drawing of the film as mm-hmm. part of the IBM yes. series, I think, in 77. Yeah. In the yeah. Movies to Remember series. Yeah. Um, the next one that he does, again, here's a, here's a show that racism is uh, uh, right. plays a very big role. South Pacific. Yeah. Uh, you must be carefully taught. I mean, mm. it's such an important song that uh, Lin Manuel Miranda references it in the Hamilton score. Yeah, you know, uh, it's so it's that is a very powerful show. Yeah, and, definitely. Uh, Lincoln Center Theater actually did a revival of that just a few years ago. Mm. Yeah, that was really revelatory. Yeah, and really I think again up. we just think of it as this you know wartime. Going to wash that man right out of my hair. Right, right, right. And Hirschfeld did, you know, in the original drawing, he, it's one of the last times he features uh, uh, sheet music. He does a collage of sheet music Mm -hmm. in the background, in the background of Ezio Pinza, who played the original, uh, in the original production. Um, South Pacific was a huge hit uh, at the time. And uh, when it was revived at City Center in 1965, Hirschfeld did a great drawing 
of Betsy Palmer yes. in the wash my hair man mm-hmm. right out of my hair yep. uh, scene um, that also harkens back to uh, his very early drawings uh, sort of using a panelist technique mm. and he does that on this one because she's underwater that's I think so funny that you say that because do. that to me looks like a Friday drawing it even that to yes. me looks like a later drawing than it is well, I think that's one of the great things about Hirschfeld is mm-hmm. it's timeless. Yes. You know, you can place them in a lot of different places, mm-hmm. but they're they're of their moment and they're of no moment. Yes, you know, they're, yeah, they're, totally. They're always there. There's even a drawing of Florence Henderson uh, in in South Pacific. Oh. And when she passed away uh, last year and they had a memorial service, they featured this drawing on the cover of the memorial oh. service program. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's such a great drawing yeah. uh, of her. Um, now she was in the Oklahoma CD I had when I was when I was little. She was in a, on that CD. Shocking! You did not have the original cast. No, I don't know what version that was, but I just it was her picture. I distinctly remember Florence Henderson was on the Oklahoma CD. Oh goodness! Anyway, <laughs> okay. What what's next here? Well, the next show is one is a show that Hirschfeld actually had some input on. Yes. Oh, that's right. This is yeah. a good one. So uh, the, the King ne- and I. The King and I. <laughs> yes, it's the King and I. It's 1952. 51. 51. Yep. The when it was originally written, it was not. The show was Gertrude Lawrence's star vehicle. Mm. It, it she would uh, get cancer during the right. run and and die. Right. Um, and it became Yul Brenner's show. Mm. And it became his uh, show that was so identified with him he could almost do nothing else. Right. Right. Or he, or rather he could always do it because yeah, people wanted right. to see Yul Brenner. And he did do it for quite some time. Did he oh not? Yeah, yeah, did it for decades. Yeah. Um, but how did what what was Hirschfeld's input into yes. the King well, and I? Was. Um, when he heard that Rodgers and Hammerstein were doing a musical set in Siam, hmm. he... Set in the court of Siam. Set in the court of Siam. I don't know whether he called them up or he saw them at a party and he said, listen, I have some films of dances in the court of Siam. When he went around the world with uh, S.J. Perlman... Happy birthday, S.J. <laughs> Sid, excuse me. All of his friends call him Sid. Yeah. Uh, when, his close friends, you know, we just call him Sid. <laughs> When he um, when when uh, they were traveling around the world, they stopped in Siam and they got invited to the court of Siam and they had these court dances done. Mm. Hirschfeld was a home movie buff and he brought his camera with him and he right. asked if he could film the dances, mm. which they allowed him to do. The, they, there hadn't been that much filming of the dances. Right. So he tells this to... Rogers and or Hammerstein and they come to his studio with uh, Jerry Robbins and they watch these dances of uh, these these court dances in Siam wow. and some of that gets incorporated into Jerome Robbins and I'm not taking anything away from Jerome Robbins. No, no. He was, uh, he did a masterful job right. in the original production as with so many other productions and yeah. ballets. Um, but Hirschfeld sort of gave him more material to work with. Or, yeah, yeah, inspiration. Yeah. It's exactly right. From real life. That's really amazing. Um, Hirschfeld really would neat. draw uh, a production in 1964 with uh, Reza Stevens mm. um, as uh, as Anna. Um, he would do another uh version in 1965 with Barbara Cook right. as Anna. Um, and then in 1996, he did a drawing of, uh, it was a revival on Broadway with Lou Diamond Phillips mm. as the king and Donna Murphy as mm, Anna. Nice. And there's also, I think there's a single of Yul Brenner, isn't there? Oh, definitely. 77 or something. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
<clears throat> that's um, a great one. But uh, jump back in the order of mm-hmm. uh, Rodgers and Hammerstein shows, the next show would be Me and Juliet. And this would seem like it would be a perfect show for Hirschfeld to do. It's a backstage musical. Ah. And uh, they had very high hopes for it. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, the it was not a great show. Mm. Um, they uh, Rodgers, I don't think, ever really completely bought into it. And it never was as successful as they had hoped it would be. Yeah. Um, Joe Melziner had created a wonderful set that showed you both what was going on on stage and what was going on backstage. Mm. In a sense, Noises Off is a much better, much funnier version of what of they this were idea. trying to do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, but the drawing itself is is really terrific. Yeah. Um, and we think of Rodgers and Hammerstein as just anything they wrote was was gold. Was gold. <laughs> was perfect. Right. You know, is it was a big hit. But uh, like Most, Allegro... They have a pretty good track record. But oh, yes. no, they're bound to be Their some... batting average is extremely high. Yeah, yeah. But even the best batters have a few strikeouts. Definitely. And uh, Allegro in 1947 was a strikeout not drawn by Hirschfeld drawn, because he yeah. was traveling around the world with uh, Perlman for mm-hmm. Westward Ha. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Juliet was not... Although it returned, it recouped its investment. Mm. I mean, in, in terms of money, it was not a flop. Right. But nobody does these shows anymore. And there's probably a reason for that. Right. Um, another one, the next one is uh, Pipe Dream. Mm-hmm. And that's 1955 based on a John Steinbeck uh, novel. Oh. Cannery Row, as a matter of fact. Oh, um, interesting. Great drawing. And not a particularly great show. Mm. Uh, the next one is Flower Drum Song. No, we missed Cinderella. Well, I'm just talking about Broadway shows. Oh, oh, well, I thought we were talking about Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. <laughs> I thought we were talking about Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals. Okay, but you see, that isn't the original production of Cinderella. You realize that. What do you mean? The original production, TV production of Cinderella, uh-huh. which they wrote for uh, TV originally, starred Julie Andrews. Oh, in 1957? <laughs> Uh, I think it's in 1955 is the first time that it's done. Oh. Maybe even 56. From Wikipedia, it says 57. 57. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Far be it from me to uh, uh, contradict it's Wikipedia. Okay, it's okay. We'll, we'll cut this out. <laughs> well, so, let's talk. We'll, well, then we'll talk about Cinderella after. Is that what no, you're saying? Can, no, we can. Let's, oh, let's, okay, let's great. Talk about so tell now. me about Cinderella. Because all I know about Cinderella is that wonderful. I believe it was 1997 remake with Brandy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I loved it. Bernadette Peters was in it. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. And eventually it would come to it's Broadway. possible. That's my favorite part. <laughs> well, there you have it. Uh, that is uh, Catherine's podcast singing debut. Yeah. No, I sing on this podcast all the time. Don't I? <laughs> anyway. Do I? Maybe I cut them all out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell, okay, so Cinderella, I thought it was 1957. But you're saying it, this was for television. Television. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The original production starred Julie Andrews, and then they redid it for television oh. uh, with Leslie Ann Downs oh. and Ginger Rogers and Walter Pidgeon. And... So did it ever come to Broadway, or was it only on TV? No, it would eventually, they eventually adapted it for the stage. Oh, okay. And it was a big hit on Broadway, and gotcha. it's gone on tour. Fairly recently. And, right. Yeah. Uh, I think... 2013, I think that's maybe? about when okay. it was. And... Um, and now schools do it, uh, 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 community theaters, gotcha, regional gotcha. theaters can do yeah. it. Rogers and Hammerstein, Cinderella. Yeah, you okay. Know, uh, well, can... I just love the Brandy version, so. I'm a 90s child, You I hear guess. that, Rogers and Hammerstein, she loves the Brandy <laughs> version. 
Uh, back to their Broadway shows. The, the next one they did is Flower Drum Song. Yes. Which is a wonderful uh, Hirschfeld drawing because he suggests these uh, Japanese prints mm, in, mm-hmm. in the background. Um, as well as this, you know, it's this sort of tug between East and West. Right. You know, and, and what your what is your identity? Mm. Again, I think, a cultural identity, I think this is a, another very uh, interesting show yeah. that we don't normally associate with when, uh, this sort of corny, sweet idea of Rodgers and Hammerstein. Right, right. Um, but uh, again, the idea of, you know, what is your cultural identity and how what happens when you assimilate mm. it seems like a very contemporary Definitely. idea. Definitely, yeah. And they're talking about it 60 years ago. Yeah, wow. So the next time somebody uh, tells you that Rodgers and Hammerstein are corny and don't address anything seriously, yeah. you tell them differently. Yeah, definitely. I always do. There was a revival of Flower Drum Song in 2002 and Hirschfeld did a drawing of that. Yes. With a little bit of color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like the production, it, it was of, it's good, but it's not one for the ages. Mm. You know, Mr. Hirschfeld wouldn't say that. <laughs> because he always viewed things in their time. Right. Well, I'm not comparing it to <laughs> oh, oh, the you're original talking about production. The drawing, I'm saying. Well, I'm talking about the drawing and the production the itself. The original, the it drawing just, of the original it was, show. It was better. okay. Yeah, it the drawing didn't. of the original show was better. I will give you. Uh, that. So Rodgers and Hammerstein conclude their very successful Broadway career yes. with a show that everybody knows. Yes. Again, not a show when you think about it. A, a musical hunky about dory. Nazis is it was not yeah. Mel Brooks was not the first one to do a <laughs> musical that featured Nazis. Right. Sound of Music in 1960. 59. Uh, 59. Oh, David, you're just a year off all over the place today. <laughs> Hirschfeld was frequently two years off in all this. Yes, show. you don't you know? that before. <laughs> yep. See, I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm in my 50s. Few more now, years, so. you'll be two years off on everything. Sound of Music, 1959. Mary Martin yeah. uh, in the center of it. Yeah. Uh, Mary Martin was a, a great uh, friend and, and fan of Hirschfeld. Mm. And she and her husband bought almost all the drawings in which uh, yes. she was in, right. and they, uh, including this one, mm. which we later found out that a child uh, colored in with crayons. Yes. It breaks not our heart. Not the first time we've seen that. No, not the first time, oh, unfortunately. Yeah. No. Um, Hirschfeld <laughs> would draw... Uh, a scene of the film version yeah. uh, to promote the film, mm-hmm. and that film is among the most popular films ever made. Really, it is well, wasn't simply it the in most theaters popular for thing. like five years or something. I I, I I couldn't say that. I think it was in the theater for like at least three years. But out of all the Rodgers and Hammerstein properties and, yeah. and things that they did. The Sound of Music, the film of The Sound of Music is by far the most mm. popular thing yeah, they ever agree. did. Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, uh, Oscar Hammerstein never saw it. Yeah. Uh, well, my pro- I've told you my favorite musical is Oklahoma, but my favorite song probably is Edelweiss. I always get a little tear when I hear it. I like to sing it to my dogs at night sometimes. Makes me cry. So one day I came in singing Edelweiss or something, and you told me, did you know that that was Oscar Hammerstein's final song? It, it, and it, I did not, and then I cried a little bit more. It was his swan song. We have a lot of boxes of tissues here at the uh, Al Hirschfeld there Foundation. There are two on this table right now with us because recording. Because <laughs> we never know when she's going to break out into tears. No, it's true. We would rather have an office where people break out into song 
Catherine breaks out of hey, the Hey, I do that too. I think <laughs> you can attest to that. Yes, unfortunately. But it was his final, that Sound of Music was their final show together. And yes. Edelweiss was the final song he wrote, right. which I think, I remember saying at the time, that's very perfect. Yeah. That is the way to go. Um, of course, Rogers would not stop because Hammerstein did. Oh. Um, he would continue, he, he had a need to write. And he would continue, he did a show uh, by himself called No Strings mm. that Hirschfeld drew. Again, here's a interracial romance mm-hmm. on the Broadway stage right. in uh, 1962. Mm. That's pretty uh, progressive. Yeah, definitely. Um, but he doesn't feel comfortable writing both the music and the lyrics. And the lyrics. He likes having lyricists. Yeah. So who is he going to get as a lyricist? He goes to Hammerstein's protege. Uh, Stephen Sondheim. Oh. And they write a musical called Do I Hear a Waltz? Oh, okay. Sondheim does not count it as one of his pleasurable experiences. Oh, interesting. And the show itself is not either one of their best work. Mm. Uh, but he was trying. Yeah. He worked with Martin Charnin uh, for uh, Two by Two, which starred Danny Kaye. Right. Uh, about Noah and the Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's an interesting drawing done in 1976 and I love Danny Kaye's coat in it it's a dry brush effect mm. uh, and it's it's just different it's, yeah. a, it's a different type of drawing very cool um, there is sort of what I consider there's a couple of now sort of retrospective drawings that are really terrific yeah um, for Stereo Review magazine in 1978 uh, Hirschfeld did a color piece of Roger's Surrounded by five figures from his greatest it's like shows, like King and I, Oklahoma, Pal Joey, yeah. Gene Kelly and Pal yep, Joey, yep. Uh, Julie Andrews in Sound of Music, this is a color Alfred piece. Drake in in Oklahoma, yep. uh, Yul Brenner and King and I, Mary Martin in uh, South Sound Pacific. Of music. Oh, <laughs> you already have Julie in Andrews South in South Pacific. Saying. Excuse me. <laughs> That's a wonderful piece, um, and then in on the fiftieth anniversary of. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, 1993. Uh, the Times does a feature on in the Sunday Times, and of course they have Hirschfeld. They ask, they commission a, a, a drawing uh, by Hirschfeld of Rogers and Hammerstein hmm. that shows Rogers at the piano and Hammerstein right behind him writing yeah. out lyrics. It's a very nice piece. Yeah, it was later published as a limited edition lithograph. And the lyric says, "Oh, what a beautiful morning." Yes. <laughs> Um, but the one I like the best of the two of them that was done in the same year was a cover of a uh, record that featured Rodgers and Hammerstein songs uh, from the Ed Sullivan show. Mm. And he got the commission. And I remember I was going up to his house and, and they said, can you bring up the material? And I bring up the material to uh, Hirschfeld and he's all, you know, he was he loved what he did. Yeah. And he was excited about working on it. And I go up there about four days later, and it's in the morning. We're having a cup of tea before he goes up to the studio. And I said, oh, how's that Rogers and Hammerstein drawing coming? And he looks at me with a look that I'd never seen on his face. He puts down his teacup. He's like, I don't think I can do it anymore. Oh, no. And he, I said, what do you mean? He says, Every, I've been trying to draw Oscar Hammerstein sort of full-faced, you know, sort of three-quarters out. And every time I draw him, draw him, he appears drunk. He asked for more photos. I mm-hmm. gave him more photos. Come up a couple of days later, he's like, it's still 
he's still, I don't, I can't do it. Oh, no. And see, he still looks drunk. Yeah. So in that drawing, which has Rodgers and Hammerstein surrounded by characters from Carousel, Sound of Music, King and I, South Pacific, Oklahoma, yeah. much more involved and, and suggest his, his, his cast drawings of those shows. Um, he has Hammerstein in profile. Yeah. A different profile than you see in the other drawings. Yes. But he realized that... To be th- fair, I think it's just flipped. Yes. <laughs> I think it's just the exactly. other side of the profile. For all I know, he, yeah. he gave up and, yeah. and copied himself. Oh, he, it, he it, works, ju- it, 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 exactly. yeah. it works, though. Exactly. It works. And it's quite wonderful. That was also published as a limited edition lithograph. Yes. And if you said to me, what's one drawing that sums up Rodgers and Hammerstein? Oh, 100%. Exactly. This is the one. Definitely. This is the one. Definitely. And um, he would draw Rodgers and Hammerstein just one more time. Oh. 1999, um, in Philadelphia, they open up a theater called the Hal Prince Theater. Mm. And they commission Hirschfeld to do a mural of American musical theater, sort of all the greats of American musical theater. It's a four-part mural. Mm. It's really one of the great works. Um, and one of the panels has Rodgers and Hammerstein, Lerner and Lowe, Burton Lane, Duke Ellington, Jerome Kern, uh, the Gershwins, Kurt Vile, Cole Porter. Irving Berlin. Irving Berlin, <laughs> Howard Arlen, and Yubi Blake. Mm. So it gives you some sense. That's just one panel. Yeah, there's four of these. Yeah, yeah. and they're, each one it's of huge. them is fantastic. Yeah, um, And so that's his last drawing of them. Uh, and it's a, it's a great drawing. Yeah. Um, but it's not just strictly Rodgers and Hammerstein. Yeah. And then the final, I mean, the final drawing he did of any show of Rodgers and Hammerstein was October 2002. So Flower Drum Song. Yeah, Flower Drum uh, Song. So it was only three months before he passed. Right. Up till the end. Right. So it's a real sort of full circle. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts drawing Rogers and Hart shows and, and really Hammerstein shows in 28, 29, sort of at the very beginning right. of his career. And he's still drawing their shows uh, at the end of his career. So I think that's a testament to their work. Yes. Oh, that um, there were still interesting drawings to be done of important productions. Yep. Because by 2002, they didn't send Hirschfeld out to just any show. Hmm. They sent him out to the important shows. Right, right. So we hope this has been an important show to yeah, you. Yeah, this was a fun one. I was excited to do this one because I do love Oklahoma. and I mean, who doesn't love Rodgers and Hammerstein? Right. Uh, if you uh, if we've missed something or gotten something wrong and you want to let us know. <laughs> you can you... email David. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, info at alhirschfeldfoundation.org. Yep. Of course, our website is alhirschfeldfoundation.org. We'll put links to all the drawings in the show notes, and you'll they'll take you to the website, and you can look up everything there. Performer, production, publication, genre, date, uh, Broadway season, however you want to find things, you can find them at our website. Yep. And then uh, follow us on Facebook. We're the Al Hirschfeld Foundation. Twitter and Instagram, we're at Al Hirschfeld. Uh, and this podcast is uh, on iTunes or wherever you get your uh your podcast from and then our website for the podcast to listen directly is alhirschfeldfoundation.org slash podcasts s with an s s is for sound of music oh fantastic yes uh and so that's it please uh rate and review us i want to recognize one other uh composer oh okay and performer yes uh dick hyman 
who writes our oh, yes. theme song, yep. Three or More Ninas. You yep. can find uh, about more about Dick and his music at dickhyman.com. Yep, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Dick. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Yes. And uh, we'll see you when we do. Bye.